You are listening to Finding Your Brilliance podcast, episode number 19. I'm your host, Catherine Quee. Today, I am speaking with Peter Shankman, an American author of five books, an entrepreneur, and an ADHD advocate. Peter describes himself as someone with notable ADHD symptoms, which he's used for his benefit in his career and personal life. When I left AOL and my took my second job, it wasn't as free. You know, we had we had check in at eight o'clock and a staff meeting at eight thirty, and, and this at nine thirty and a half an hour for lunch. And I realized I couldn't do that, and so I um, went out on my own in summer of ninety eight, uh, with the premise that I'll work, I'll start a PR firm, try to start a PR firm, and when it fails, I'll get a job. And it's uh, going on twenty four years. I haven't failed yet, or you know, I failed a ton, but I haven't had to get a real job. So I've been very lucky, and it's been uh, a ton of fun. My ADHD has played a role in everything I've done. I see, again, it wasn't until I got diagnosed in my, my late 30s that it made sense, but starting a company on an airplane and having it running by the time I land, not something normal people do. No, uh, no. I saw that you do a lot of things. Like you've written four books? Five books. Oh, okay. And so you have written a large chunk of your books while flying, right? That is correct. Yeah, because it's flights to Asia are 14 hours to literally locked in a crane doing nothing. It's exactly what I want. Yeah. So, you know, for me, that's perfect. You learn to play to your strengths. Playing your strengths when you have ADHD is actually beneficial because you can use it to your advantage. Um, you know what you do and what you do well. You know what you yeah. do poorly and you try yeah. not to do the things you do poorly. You try to let other people do the things you do poorly. Hence the reason to have an assistant, things like that. So for me, it's it's really about knowing what I'm good at, knowing what I'm terrible at, knowing what I enjoy. Of course, knowing that what you enjoy creates that dopamine and that serotonin and that adrenaline that helps you focus. So easy way to make that work. Well, you know, one of the things that I, because I am so into exercise because I've read so much of the research about the importance of the dopamine boost and the deficiencies in dopamine in individuals with ADHD. One of the things I'm often talking about is exercise. And I wonder for you, when you're talking to people and encouraging people to exercise, tell me some of your tricks that you do. I mean, obviously people have to want to do it to a degree, but that's a real struggle for me is getting that moving. Well, for me, it's, it's I, I play, I do something called playing the tape forward. It's an old AA trick. It's the premise of how are you going to feel in 12 hours? If I do this or I don't do this, how am I going to feel in 12 hours? If I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, it's dark out and it's warm in my bed and I don't want to get on the bike. How am I going to feel at 4.30 in the afternoon if I sleep in? And usually the answer is like shit. You know, that makes it a lot easier to get on the bike. It's not easy per se. Right. It sucks. You know, you still want to be sleeping. But, you know, like this morning, I, I for whatever reason, I have a lot weighing on my mind. I went to bed around 8.30 last night and I was up at midnight and that was it. I was awake. I could not go back to bed. Mm-hmm. And I finally started to fall, feel sleepy, of course, naturally around 4.30 in the morning. But I had a five o'clock ride and I'm like, well, you got to suck it up because you have a bunch of stuff to do today and you're simply not going to be on point if you don't get that ride in. So I rode for an hour, wasn't my best ride, but it was certainly better than not doing it. I can have a bad night and have a still have a somewhat successful day, or I can have a bad night and turn it into a bad day. Yeah. I don't know why I'd rather, I don't, I wouldn't rather do that. So for me, it's worth that sort of pain or whatever you want to call it to to force yourself onto the bike. 
Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I read about you that I think is very relevant to the work I do is that you don't drink alcohol. Obviously, I see so many young adults. We know that substance abuse is higher in individuals with ADHD. And so, you know, especially since you just quoted something from AA, if you would speak a little bit about that part to the teens and young adults and just what you recognize and notice there about substances. I quit for several years. I quit drinking for several years. Occasionally now, maybe once every three or four months, if I'm with my my girlfriend and we're celebrating something, whatever, I'll have a glass of champagne or I'll have a, you know, I, but it has to be in a very specific way. I don't go to a bar and have a drink. Yeah. I won't go to an open bar party and have a drink. Nothing good comes from that. If I set it up in such a way, I have one drink and that's my night. And I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm able to do that. The downside for drinking for me anyway, is that if unrestricted, I won't have one drink. It's the same way I eat pizza, which is I, I won't, there won't be leftover pizza. I order a yeah. pizza, I the entire pizza. And so right. knowing that about myself makes it easier to sort of understand what to do and what not to do. You know, one drink leads to two, leads to six. And the next day, I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. and working out. And then from right. there, I'm not, you know, well, I've already screwed that day up. So let's order a bacon, egg and cheese. And now, okay, that now it's two weeks later, I've gained 10 pounds. What's the point, right? So for right. me, it has to be a very, very specific set of circumstances. Otherwise, it's just easier not to do it. And and I've said this many times, I, I believe ADHD has a much higher tendency of addictive personality as well. It's like a molecule away. Um, on any given day, I'm probably three or four bad decisions in a row away from being a junkie in the streets. So why go down that road to begin with? Let's mm -hmm. not let's not start that process and we won't have to find out how it ends. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really smart. And, you know, some of that obviously came from you having to learn some stuff, right? It's not like the 20 year old knew you knew that. Some of it, no, but also I got very lucky in the 20 year old me didn't drink. I was kind of a dork, <clears throat> never really got into drinking in college. Wasn't really until my, I was running my first company at the end of my twenties when clients would come into New York and they'd say, Hey, take us out. And I discovered that, wow, I like wine. Growing up in New York city, there were really two kinds of people. There were the kids in high school who drank all the time or did drugs all the time. And there were kids who didn't, and there was no middle ground there. Oh. And so I'm very fortunate. I fell onto the, onto the left side of that coin as it were. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm curious about for you, let's say you were a parent. Well, you are, you have a daughter I do. and she is maybe, is she a teen by now? She is nine years old. Oh, okay. So you have a daughter. So you are a parent. What would be some of the things that you as a parent raising a child, whether they have ADHD or not, that you feel are like major tenants for you? Like if you were going to say like five things or something that you would say, look, these things are really key to me as a parent in my core parenting do's and don'ts kind of thing. Well, one of the things is definitely exercise. Yeah. Um, you know, understanding that uh, how exercise makes me feel, it's probably genetic. So I get my daughter moving and active all the time. You know, it's, it's we live in a world where it's, I'm not going to be able to, to completely remove screen time. Um, right. But if I allow it, okay, let's go for a walk first. Let's, let's walk home from school and then you can get on the computer. After your homework, then you can get on the iPad for an hour or whatever. You know, it, it's yeah. those things where, where you try to mix and match the best you can. Also understanding you're never gonna get it perfect. Right. Um, you know, so I do the best I can. She's a good kid. She's, she seems to be doing relatively well so far, but it's, it's an interesting, it's a, I, I look at her, I wouldn't wish, I mean, she's probably gonna wind up ADHD just because like I said, it's genetic. I wouldn't wish it on her. Let, let me rephrase that. I wouldn't wish her having it without knowing or having the tools that it took me 38 years to learn. Yeah. Um, I'll give it that. I mean, and now granted, I wouldn't change anything about what I learned because that led me to who I am today and how I am. But you know, on the flip side, I wouldn't necessarily uh, want her to have to go through, I want her to go through some struggle, but not to the extent that I went through. 
I did not. I mean, my childhood had great parents, but other than that, my childhood sucked. It was it was difficult. You know, I made it into high school performing arts and uh, was a vocal major. 23 years of classical vocal training under my belt, but uh, I was always the odd kid out. I was always the weird kid. I never knew when to shut up. And, you know, that that was a lot of grief that I'm still, you know, a lot of trauma. I'm still processing uh, through therapy. So I think that at the end of the day, I want her to be able to experience all facets of life, but hopefully with a little less uh, trauma than I had to go through. Yeah. Yeah. So you, obviously what I like about what you're saying is it's balance. It's not like you're saying she cannot be on screens. Obviously you understand in this day and age, it's balance. I do like the idea of you talking about the, you just integrate exercise into your life with her. Yeah. Let's go on a walk. Let's go do this. And, you know, I'd, I'd say it a step further. If you position it as exercise as a chore that you have to do, they're not going to like it. Right. Uh, so for me, you know, I I, I don't want to be on the bike every morning. I know they have to be. But on the flip side, I'll also go out, you know, I'll walk to pick her up from school. Um, yeah. And her school's about two and a half miles away. And then we'll walk back. Right. And that right there, it's an extra five miles for me. It's two and a half miles for her. It's enough of a dopamine hit for the walk home that it gives her the energy she needs to sit down and get her homework done without complaining. Yeah. You know, if she wants to be on the iPad for an hour for that, what the hell? You know, we just went through a goddamn pandemic. Let her be in the <laughs> Right, 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 right. Okay. And when it comes to, let's see, trying to think. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, well, I love also what you're talking about, about therapy. Seems like based on what you're saying that you really value that. You know, I, I think one of the pieces that I'm often doing in my life is, kind of describing and in the book that I wrote a lot of it was called the brilliance and blues of a raising will the brilliance and blues of ADHD really he's a blues musician and you know the double entendre there the the blues of having ADHD right. and I think that there's no denying that when you are someone who is going to the principal's office more than other kids if that's if you have the combined presentation type you probably are and if you're blurting and getting in trouble and in the past getting put in corners for blurting out, I mean, I'm always working with kids and the teachers. I have a lot of meetings with teachers, but I, I think what I like about your truth and honesty, and this is why I end up talking to people at parties who I don't know have ADHD, but I always gravitate towards them because they're more honest. And I like that about you, that you're just honest about the pain part of your experience and well, there's no point in lying about it. I mean, not being said, I, I hate parties. Um, it's funny. I'm a corporate keynote speaker. Put me in a room full of 20,000 people and I will own that stage and I will own that room. Uh, put me in a dinner party with six people and I'll be in the second bedroom playing with a cat. I'm the most introverted extrovert you'll ever meet in your life, right? Where my extroversion has to come in a very specific way. But the thing is, it, that's interesting about that is that the concept of honesty, it's the whole reason I started the Faster Than Normal podcast and wrote Faster Than Normal. If I can... You know, I mean, that book, it's on its, I think, fifth printing already. And the podcast is over 250 episodes, like 50,000 downloads a week. If, if I can help one kid to realize he's not broken the same way I thought I was, right? And that he's actually gifted. It's all worth it. Any success I've had is irrelevant unless I figured out a way to help send the elevator back down. And mm -hmm. I just, this is sort of a way of living. And it's not, you know, for me, I mean, I, I figured out a way to turn that into a, a way of life as well. I mean, probably 30 or 40% of what I talk about now on stage is the concept of neurodiversity. And the fact that companies have to understand that close to 15% of the workforce is going to be neurodiverse in 10 years. How are they hiring for that? How are they creating right. employees? So, you know, I've, I've keynoted that concept at Adobe and other, other big corporations. So that's one side of it. The other aspect is, you know, the concept of, of, you mentioned acting out in school or speaking out, 
what I'm realizing now, <laughs> it's really funny. What I'm realizing now that as a kid, I got into trouble constantly for uh, talking out of turn. Um, my, my, remember I was in Hebrew school uh, two days a week after school for, for my bar mitzvah, three days a week when I was like 10 years old and, and we were talking once about, um, a teacher said, it was something about what weren't the Jews allowed to eat in the desert or during Passover? And the answer is bread. Raise my hand. Peter, pizza. Go to the principal, you know. But what happened, thinking back, and I remember it very vividly in my head, what, what happened when I said that was that the other 20 kids in the class cracked up. And I got a massive dopamine hit from that. Oh, had not, right. Had I not been sent to the principal's office, I could have focused and been quiet for the rest of the class. The irony, of course, is that every time I got in trouble, I had to leave the class. I was getting in trouble because I was actually trying to focus. I didn't know, know it at the time. But speaking out and making jokes and making the class laugh was actually a dopamine hit that would allow me to sit down and study. But unfortunately, you know, it always worked where I'd get, I'd get kicked out of class. But, you know, oh, so, so, yeah. so now I won't go into, first of all, I hate meetings. I'll try to keep my meetings 20 minutes, 30 minutes max if I have to, in a perfect world, 15 minutes. But when I have to go to meetings like with clients or whatever, out of the office and in their offices, I'll walk up the steps no matter how many flights I have to go. Like I've had clients on the 30th floor and I will walk up 30 flights because I get to the top of 30 flights. And that is... I've just gotten enough dopamine in my system from that simple walking up the stairs that'll get me through the next 45 minutes of meeting. And yeah. I won't have to uh, force myself to pay attention. It'll just come automatically. Sometimes the meetings go long. I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm still listening. I'm just going to stand up. I'm going to do some squats. I'm going to stand in the corner, whatever. And and if they ask why, I'll gladly explain it. But most don't care. They right? don't when care. I'm an adult. They don't really give a shit. They just want to know that you're, you're getting the job done. You can stand on your head if you have to get the job done, whatever it is, as long as you get the job done. So for me, you know, I try to help kids understand that there's absolutely nothing wrong. Talk to your teacher and say, hey, I'm going to stand in the back of the class. I'm just going to stand up. I'm going to take my notes standing up or I'm going to do whatever. I'm not going to, you know, it's either that or I interrupt the class. Which one do you want? Right, right. Well, the teacher that my son had in second grade who let him stand the whole time, you know, right from the get go, she understood. And I didn't have to talk to her about it. I mean, she just had him handing stuff out, standing, doing all this stuff. And so these are all the interventions for kids that they need to be yeah. allowed to do. And so I love it that you're talking about this. There's a study that came out of Texas uh, several years ago. Uh, some university took a took a school district and upped their recess time from 20 minutes to 90 minutes a day and changed the breakfast and lunch menu in the school from it's like 70% carbs, like 30% carbs, 40% protein or 50% yeah. protein, 20% fats. It saw like a 23% decrease in outbursts by boys, but more importantly, it saw like a 30% increase increase in girls wanting to get involved with class. Because one of the telltale signs, one of the ADHD manifestations uh, from for girls, young girls in school, is they just don't get involved. Yeah. Unlike boys who speak out, girls tend to not get involved. So a 30% increase in girls getting involved in class and wanting to ask questions and you know is massive, right? But it, yeah. you know, instead we, we tend not to look at that. Instead we you know, we feed Johnny two bowls of chocolate frosted sugar bombs before he gets sits in front of the TV for half an hour and then gets driven to school. And we wonder why he's, you know, psychotic at 930. It's not, <laughs> right. you know, it's not, not hard to figure out, right? Give a kid an A. <laughs> I know. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about is medication and your thoughts on that and your experience with that. That would just be helpful for me to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, I have a prescription for Concerta. I, uh, I take it when I need it. Yeah. Um, I don't take it often. Yeah, a few times a month. If my if my assistant says, hey, you have five invoices or five, five expense reports that you got to find the receipts for, find them or you're not going to get paid. Take your pill and, and find, okay, fine. You know, but it's, I also find that if I take the Concerta, if I take it any, late, any later than like 4 a.m., I won't sleep that night. So yeah. 
I tend to take it like I'll get up at 3.30, start my day a little early and take it then just to get stuff done. But um, for me, it's really more a last case. I, I, a last yeah. I, like, I like doing things that, that give me that same hit without necessarily needing the concerta. I think yeah. that occasionally I'll take it when I am on a 14 hour flight just to stay awake. Yeah. Right, because it is a stimulant. So I can get a lot of writing done. But yeah, I mean, I, I have prescription, but I have to refill it like once every six to nine months or something like that. Yeah. It seems like everybody that I see is so different. Some people just, it, and I think that's what I noticed. It's pretty much what I hear from you is it's recognize how it works for you. Yeah. 100%. And, yeah. And because you exercise so much, because you have so you have an assistant, you've done those things to really make your life more streamlined that are a ton of work. You yeah. don't need it as much. No, you really don't. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you, you, you figure out what works and you just do it. I mean, I tend to eat the same thing most of the time because it's easy and because I know what I'm eating. And I think I do intermittent fasting. My first meal is usually like 2 p.m. Again, because I don't have to think about it, right? And it's like, if I know that my first meal is at 2 p.m. and I'm walking out of a down the street at 10 a.m. and I'm like, oh, I should get a bacon, egg, and cheese. No, it's not 2 p.m. Done. Right. Well, there's a lot of that. Like I, even the way you describe your closet, Yeah. you have your closet for if you're staying home, right? Broken into two sides, office slash travel and speaking slash TV. Office slash travel is t-shirt and jeans. Like you're seeing speaking slash TV is button down shirt, jacket and jeans. And that's it. My sweaters, my suits, my vest. Those are all in my daughter's closet because if I had to look at them every day, oh, what should I wear? That sweater. I remember that sweater. Jennifer gave me that sweater. I wonder how <laughs> she's doing. I should look her up. It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook and I haven't left the house. So it's a lot easier to prevent that by just having a uniform. And and the only time that ever backfired, I wouldn't even call it a backfire. I was, I was I just landed in San Francisco and my flight was delayed. And so instead of being able to go to the hotel and change, I had to go right to my first meeting and in walks Gavin Newsom. And so I had to beat Gavin Newsom in a t-shirt and jeans. But other than that, I've never really had a, a downside of, of sort of keeping to a uniform. When my doorman sees me walking out of the apartment in a, a blue shirt, black jacket, nice seven pro mankind jeans, like, oh, TV. I'm like, yep. You know, it's like, it's just easy. It's just easy. <laughs> well, and I kind of like, I don't know who Gavin Newsom is, to be quite honest. He's governor of California. Oh, okay. All right. So, but the bottom line is, I think it's kind of cool. That's the other reason that I would say I like neurodiverse people. You guys don't normally seem to care so much. And well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I can get away with a lot, but you mean the governor of the second, you know, one of the largest states in the country, a little nicer than just coming off a six hour flight, you know, but that being said, you know, I travel pre COVID, I was traveling over 300,000 miles a year and I'd show up at the airport in a t-shirt and jeans and the airline I'm on, I'm, I'm one of their top 1% of travelers. They have spotters that look for people like me. They see me, they whisk me away. Right. And so, you know, it's always fun to, to be at the airport in a t-shirt and jeans and, you know, the people in suits or whatever who are trying to angle for the upgrade are wondering, what the hell is he and why is he blowing past me at security? Or why is he boarding before we've even started boarding? You know, I'd, I'd lie if, it's, if I'd be lying if I said that wasn't funny, but it's, you know, again, I don't care, right? It's like, take me for what I am or take it or leave it. It's, I'm not, I've given up on changing. The only person I'm really trying to be better for every day is my daughter and my, and my, and, and my partner. And that's pretty much it. Everyone else is. You know, I learned several years ago, like they're not paying, helping me pay my mortgage. So I'm kind of, I kind of don't need to do anything for that. I don't, no, don't, need, no. don't need to impress them. 
No, and for yourself, it sounds like you know yourself, you know what helps you feel good. And, and that is so much of what we're trying to figure out as humans, what helps us feel good and productive and happy and what doesn't. And that's one of the big things that attracted me to your profile yep. and to just talking with you. And I'm so happy to have this time with you. I, I like your straight up style big time. And I, I plan to get your book. So that'll be great. Thanks for joining me on Finding Your Brilliance. My guest today was Peter Shankman. If you'd like to work with Peter, you can reach out and find him at shankman.com. If this topic speaks to you, feel free to subscribe to my podcast. You can find out more about me at my website, KQADHDNDU. That's A-N-D with the letter U.com. Thanks again for listening, and until we meet again, just remember that we each have our special areas of brilliance. Sometimes it just takes a while to find them.